Hello my lovely friends and welcome to another episode of Nerd Factory Reboot Throwback Reviews. So, today we have a very amazing kind of, you know, review. We are now going to review, uh, again, three different games inside um, Kingdom Hearts series. This is of course part of a bigger collection called 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue. So. We are going to basically review the games inside that and like I said uh, just before, if you haven't played um, Kingdom Hearts 2, uh, Birth by Sleep and Recoded, don't listen to this because I am going to spoil them all, alright? Because you know, if we are going to do these reviews, I need to kind of do that. So anyways, let's go for it. Alright then. So. If you remember back in Kingdom Hearts 2, we were treated to basically seeing Roxas, what his role was, being a nobody of Sora. Sora, of course, then, um, you know, uh, becoming one with Roxas again to get his memories. This way, we also knew that Namine has become the nobody of uh, Kairi. That Kairi couldn't have a heartless because she was pure of heart. Um, we found out about Xemnas, Xehanort. We found out about Ansem the Wise, Xemnas and Ansem uh, themselves being heartless and nobodies of Xehanort. And Ansem the Wise saying that, yeah, Xehanort was my apprentice. And then, you know, fighting him, defeating Xemnas and making sure that nothing else happens and moving on. Until we got to Birth by Sleep, where we learned that we um, didn't really know who Xehanort was. There was someone called Master Xehanort who wanted to create the Keyblade. Not that key, but key as in the letter of the uh, Greek. Uh, that he wanted to create that, that he created Ventus, someone pure of heart. And uh, also he got the darkness out of him because he couldn't do it. So he created somebody else called Vanitas. Vanitas looking very much like Sora, while Roxas looked very much like... Uh, sorry, Ven Ventus looked very much like uh, Roxas. On the other hand, we we saw that, you know, Terra and uh, Aqua, you know, were trying to become masters. One could, one could not because of the darkness inside them. Moving forward to that, my god, so many things happen. Moving forward with that, Terra actually became a vessel for our friend Master Xehanort and became the Xehanort that we kind of knew as the Apprentice 2, none other than, um, you know, the uh, Ansem the Wise. However, the voice actor was the voice actor for uh, the other one, the Ansem, the evil Ansem, let's say. Wow, so confusing, right? Playing through the secret episode and of course final episode, you find out that uh, Aqua fought him and defeated him and this led to, you know, Xehanort losing some of his memories and being uh, found by Ansem the Wise and of course they also keep the armors that Aqua had. Aqua is now trapped in darkness and being trapped in darkness after 10 years, she finds Ansem the Wise and talks to him and finds out that Sora is the key to saving everyone. Oh boy. This shit doesn't end. Going to Kingdom Hearts Recoded, we find out that there were some things missing from the journal and Jiminy notices this as do the others. 
they recreate those journal in digital form as they had before by Chip and Dale. They do that, they go inside them, they find some things out, and they finally find out after so much, re you know, watching through the shit that looks very much like Kingdom Hearts 1, they find out that uh, there is a certain code that was hidden by Namine that could help Sora and this digital version of Sora is going to give Sora that kind of information so that they can actually use it to help everyone. And uh, this Namine is not the real Namine but something part of Namine that is there with that and my god this is just confusing. Moving forward with that we are shown that yes this was after all these events that Miki decided to send a letter to Sora and Riku back at the end of Kingdom Hearts 2, they read it and they were like, okay, let's go back. Now, we are moving in to see what the hell happened. Now we are here. Yeah, my god, that was a long recap. But let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, now we are going to talk about Dream Drop Distance HD. Right, so Dream Drop Distance picks up right after Kingdom Hearts 2, where it ended, basically. And it continues with that story. It's basically like saying that, yeah, okay, Sora, Riku, you guys need to come here. We need to talk. So they go there and some things are explained to them about, you know, what's happening, what's going to happen and what they need to do. Basically, what they need to do is that they need to become Keyblade Masters because if they want to defeat Xehanort, that's what they need to do. So in order to do that, they will have to do, a, do an unconventional test, which is basically going and... Uh, opening the hearts of some of these worlds to help them and you know wake them up from sleep so that's what they have to do and you go through these worlds to try and help them so in this world in these in this list of worlds we have um, Traverse Town we have uh, the grid from Tron we have Free Musketeers world and we have a very surprise final world that probably can guess already what they are and some others now you go to each of these worlds and you know your objective is very simple however the way you play it the gameplay is actually very unique and one that I actually very much enjoyed now in this game you have to fight dream eaters and you will have to defeat these dream eaters and when you do you can recreate some of them called nightmare eaters or spirits these spirits join your team and they become a member of your party now when they do that they will help you the way you w will raise them using training items using uh, the spells that you give them when you want to train them not train them create them and these spirits are actually a very fun mechanic not only are they goofy and they have fun designs but at the same time they are very helpful and they are a great replacement for something like you know donald and goofy that are not in this game however they don't really fill that void perfectly and i would say that yeah having them would be nicer but these guys are pretty fun to have and the more you can unlock the more you can create the better your combat capabilities which means that for example if you unlock one of the more powerful ones they will do much of the fight for you not all of it but they will help you so much that you can't even believe Having like, for example, someone in the background healing, that's pretty cool as well. So you can have three slots. Two of them will fight side by side, the other will be behind the scenes, which is important because like I would choose a healer behind the scenes next to, of course, those who are fighting with me who can also heal, but you know, having that there and training them is really cool. 
Speaking of training, the minigames that are introduced for training the spirits, having fun with them, photo modes, petting them and all that stuff is done very well, to the point that I felt like I was in Chow Garden for Sonic Adventure. So I would say that yeah, this is really well done and one of the mechanics I actually really enjoyed and I even went on to, you know, name my own uh, spirits and have fun with them. They're really cool. Next to that, of course, this is not the only feature being added, but also combat has added some new features. One of these features is what it's called flow movement kind of a thing, is that basically you jump at, you actually roll, you don't jump, to, you roll towards, for example, a pole, you go around it and then suddenly launch yourself and do a special attack. You can also do this with bigger enemies and you grab them, swing them around and just throw them at the other enemies. All of this makes for a very fun, very cool, kind of, you know, uh, interaction with uh, the world that you have. Like, previously it was a little bit tedious to walk around these worlds because it was so big. Now doing that, it's much more fun. You can do it much more quickly, you can go from here to there much more quickly, and more than, more importantly, you can actually use it as a way to, you know, hit others. Like, you know, if you really want to, you know, move around, you can move around and yet still do some pretty good damage. It is really fun to do it, it is really quick, really fast, and really well done. Combat, on the other hand, uses a similar system to Birth by Sleep, where it means that if you want to cast spells, you have to use your... Uh, you have to choose it, then use um, Triangle to cast it, which makes it really easy to do, and much better than any other uh, version, like, for example, holding down L1, because I think they're very accessible that way, and it's just easy to do. I mean, they're right there, you just change it, you switch, and you do it. But I still think Birth by Sleep had it done really well, by the way of, you know, changing it with R2 and L2. But still, seeing that you know, they also put it here, it's not that bad, it's still fun. Of course, this means that, you know, if you have this kind of combat, this kind of spellcasting and gameplay, this means that your world has to be fun as well, otherwise, what's the point? While I cannot say that every world in this game is fun or innovative, like for example, I wasn't a huge fan of Hunchback of Notre Dame world, but I would say that some of them were really cool, like Musketeers, the comic vibe to it, and you know, the special attacks were really fun, the story was fun to do, and Grid was something unique where you know where you go with the characters, it's rather you know, exciting, and honestly, I would say that Tron had one of the more fun parts of this game. Speaking of, you know, each character, Riku and Sora are, of course, in a dream. That's how they're doing their test. However, there are some shenanigans and surprises going on, which I will not spoil, but I would say that it's a very fun concept to play with. Doing this kind of concept, having Riku and Sora basically just, you know, running around and, you know, having their own world to deal with, it's rather fun, but sometimes it becomes a little bit inconvenient. Not to say that it's annoying, because it's not, but I would say that it is fun. Switching between Sora and Riku, while not all the time is intentional, sometimes it's unintentional, because you have to do it for something called drop. This is when your time runs out, your character goes, in, goes into a sleep, and sometimes it's even middle of a combat or boss fight, which I didn't understand why middle of a boss fight, because that's that's just stupid, like, I'm fighting this guy, let me finish it, then take me back, I don't care. But don't do it while I'm fighting the boss and it's like, as uh, the guy is like at half health. So, 
Sometimes this drop happens, but it's still fun to see both sides of them having their own unique movesets, which was a really cool idea and really well done. It made the combat much more different and much better. Like, sometimes I felt like Sora was way better with magic than Riku was, while Riku was probably, in my case at least, much better with, you know, fighting, you know, with normal Keyblade combat. Um, I would say that honestly this was really well done. Next to that dive was actually really fun to do, much better than Gummy Ship in Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2's Gummy Ship was fun, but I would say that dive was perhaps much more fun. This is something you do when you want to get to a new world. And I think that that was actually well done. The funny thing was also when talking about this, there were some cameos in this game. This cameo was by none other than characters from uh, Neo The World Ends With You. Which was rather surprising. I haven't yet played the game, but I know them because of, you know, of course, the hype that is on Twitter and stuff like that. I know them, but I was really surprised that they were there. And while I don't know the story, and that probably hindered my enjoyment a little bit because maybe if I knew, then probably that would have helped a lot more understand the characters and knowing where they are. I might actually revisit um, Dream Drops cutscenes just to basically see what the story was after I played The World Ends With You. So in that case, it's really, really fun, really unique, something that I, for example, didn't expect because I didn't really know that was their plan to do, but it was still, it was still unique, very nice, very nice thing that they st uh, decided to do. Now, the funny thing is that the story here is, while it is, again, very confusing, very complex, it is still very intriguing, intriguing to the point that when you when you are uh, in the cutscenes and you're like, why, God, what's happening? The story really shines and it shows that, yeah, Nomura actually has a really good idea on how to progress with the story. While I wouldn't say that I'm still convinced that this is a needed continuation, I would say that near the end with some of the cutscenes that I saw, I was more like, okay, yeah, this is this is pretty cool. And I, now I understand why this is being continued. But still, like I said, the story is very complex. Lots of retcons, lots of stupid things that they do just to you know, move the story along. But I would say that the story was one of the better ones and I enjoyed it. Not to say that it's as memorable as Kingdom Hearts 2 or Birth by Sleep, but still one of the very good ones. So, that kind of wraps up our um, deal for Dream Drop Distance. And would I recommend playing it? Yes, I definitely would, because it's an essential part. I also would recommend that you guys go for the secret ending, just be very careful. Um, as far as I understood, it's like you have you also have to you know find the secret message which is in the credits. You have to go through it, and it's not that difficult. But you know, the, it's much easier to do than the previous ones. But yeah, go for the secret ending. Even if you can't unlock it, just go watch it because it's actually important. As every Kingdom Hearts is like that, so it is super important. But yeah, go play it, have fun with it and see what it holds for you because it's something really, really unique and something that I actually enjoy playing through, which I never thought I would say for a Kingdom Hearts game that, you know, had to come after Birth by Sleep and, uh, you know, Kingdom Hearts 2, given how Recoded really disappointed me with what it was. But this is what it is. Go for it. And now we are going to move on to the next game of the series. 
Alright, now let's move on to the next game in the series called Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage. Now this game is a very short one that I believe it was made specifically as a prologue to Kingdom Hearts 3 and a way to test the gameplay and the graphic style on people. Now I would say that when I launched the game, I was taken away by the huge graphical leap that there was in terms of fidelity, details and you know models. There was a lot of differences and it's understandable because you know as far as I understand it, Dream Drop Distance was for Nintendo 3DS, also called Kingdom Hearts 3D. So yeah, moving suddenly to PS4, that's a huge leap. And I gotta say, graphic-wise, it looked really good. Frame rate-wise, well, I'm not sure if it was actually 60, but it felt like 60, and it was rather fun. And I would say that, yeah, it was uh, okay, and uh, graphic-wise, it really did well in terms of, you know, details and character models, but there were some places that really impressed me. Moving on to that, of course, as always, Birth by Sleep has the best intro and best music, which was shown here and it was so good. Just go listen to it again, simple and clean. I think I'm gonna play it in the background for this, so you're probably listening to it as you're listening to me. There were some issues, like anti-aliasing, sharpening, could have been better, like there were some uh, details that were so sharp that it was like in Resident Evil 2, where Resident Evil 2 Remake, where you could see like things shining and it would always bother you and you know, distract you. Exactly like that. I hope that they kind of fix this, like in Kingdom Hearts 3, because if there is also in Kingdom Hearts 3, then that would suck. But yeah, if it is, then I can't do anything about it. It's just there because it is. What, what can I do about it? So. Again, from that, the gameplay was really smooth, really good. I because I loved Birth by Sleep gameplay, and this actually retained some of those features from uh, Birth by Sleep. However, it had the you know hold L1 for magic, which I don't think it's really good kind of thing to do. But yeah, it had it, and I would say the gameplay was so good that it really impressed me. Well, it wasn't perfect, but it was really good, really well adapted for the you know new age and changes that came to the series one thing that i really enjoyed was the way the spells worked now which was amazing after so many times so many games finally when you cast blizzard on someone they actually freeze in place thank you how long did this have to take i hope this is you know re this remains in kingdom hearts 3 because otherwise i would be so disappointed but yeah the spells are way better now other than that they actually feel like a you know much better spell than the other times like if you remember if you cast firaga for example or fira when you did it fire fira or firaga whenever you did it it never felt like a huge difference like most of the time it was like you know one small fireball a, a little bigger fireball way bigger fireball that was it here it's not the case it can actually explode it can have some crazy animation and it it's just satisfying. Like, I had so much fun doing these spells, and it, they were really cool. Like, I didn't expect anything for cure spell, and obviously, yeah, I didn't expect it because you know, it's just supposed to heal yourself. But when it came to the spells like fire, uh, you know, electricity, thunders, or blizzard, yeah, they delivered beautifully. No staggers in performance, no frame drops, no nothing. Really stable. 
really good, really well done, awesome. Made me go like, wow, this is really cool. I hope if the Kingdom Hearts freeze like this, nice. So effects of them are really cool. And you know, I would say that the animations are smooth. So many things there are good. Now when it comes to, you know, uh, story, because you know, I always start with unfortunately gameplay sometimes. Uh, I would say the story is actually very intriguing. But does it deliver? Here's the thing. The story is about Aqua being stuck in darkness. As you know, she is still stuck there, and there is a plan to do it. Now, the story takes place both in the future and the past. So yeah, there are bits and pieces that happen right after Dream, Dream Drop Distance HD's secret ending, so that's why you have to watch the secret ending. And at the same time, it talks about events that happen in Kingdom Hearts 1. While I would say that, you know, the the way that the ending worked and you know, the way things went, I would say that, yeah, I was surprised, genuinely, and I was like, oh, wow, really? But, I wanted to see more. I wanted to basically see, you know, Aqua and, you know, what would happen to her now, but we never know that, we never, we have to wait for Kingdom Hearts 3, and, you know, I thought that this would be the beginning of some, you know, events that I cannot spoil. But, however, they never were, and... That kind of disappointed me because the way the game starts actually makes me think that oh shit they're actually doing this, they didn't, and uh, I would say the story wasn't bad. It was a short one, very short, like two hours only, but still very fun to do because not only are you moving in the Kingdom Hearts one kind of story, but also you're moving through Aqua's psyche, her relationship with Ventus and Terra, which I loved, and felt like. Terra's voice actor has changed, or if it hasn't, the way he performs it at least has changed. But yeah, I would say the story was intriguing, very personal, just like Birth by Sleep. And I would say that I kind of expected more because the way they introduced it, I really expected more. But I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, it was bad or anything like it. It's still a very cool experience, very cool, very recommended that you guys have to do it. Um, as to, you know, so many different things that happen, there are some, um, like, this is a very, this, this is basically the prologue to Kingdom Hearts 3. This is it. And, uh, I would understand the frustration of the fans back then when they were like, oh god, just bring on Kingdom Hearts 3. But yeah, there's so much setup. This one's setup is more like a test to see if people like this new things that they're doing. And maybe, because, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, having the story changes the world of Kingdom Hearts just like the other ones. But I would say that it's still a good story. And thank God it's not as long as the other ones to be like, no, this is too much, I won't play it. No, no, no. It's very short. The shortest I've ever seen. If we don't count back cover and uh, as the movie that it is. I would say that this is very very fun to still play through and the story is intriguing and also it gives a very cool explanation as to why Sora uh, starts Kingdom Hearts 3 at zero like every other hero like you know usually they have to bring a uh, explanation as to why our hero has lost his powers all over again there's a good reason for it and if you have played Dream Drop Distance you would be like yeah very good reason I'm on board so I would say play through it it is fun there's also a little thing that i'm not really 
a fan of, but it's still there. It's the, um, well, customization. You can customize Aqua, and it feels more like a test again to see if you know people respond to it. Well, I would say that it is fun, especially the objectives, doing it and getting these pieces, but it's not... Uh, it's not the way I would say that it was necessary, or I would say, oh, wow, this is so good, it becomes essential. No, I mean, I'm cool with the way Aqua looks, and probably every other character in Kingdom Hearts, so I'm not really cool on the fact that they need customization. I think that you're moving to every other world, having them change their appearance because of that world, that is way more fun than you know, having them customizable. So, I'm not a really big fan of it, I think that maybe I'm a purist, maybe. But yeah, it's, it's not that necessary, it's not something that I would say that, oh god, I need this feature, it's so good, keep it in. It was just like, okay, that's good. <laughs> so, yeah. I hope that you know this helps you guys to play it because you have to play it. Now let's move on to the final piece in this um, collection. All right, let's move on to the final one. Uh, Kingdom Hearts back cover, I guess. Kingdom Hearts key, the logo that serves the key. This is basically the prologue to end all prologues in Kingdom Hearts if they don't go any further. But as I understood from several people who have played it. Uh, played Kingdom Hearts 3, it is an essential part of the story. I understand that. So, Kingdom Hearts key back cover, whatever you want to call it, is a movie, one hour movie that talks about the origins of Kingdom Hearts itself, uh, how the Keyblade War happened, where some of these things came from, Keyblades and stuff like that. I would say that this story is very interesting at first. But it becomes a little bit cliche, it becomes a little bit crazy, and as always with every Kingdom Hearts, there's a twist that suddenly starts the story going. It is the problem with almost every story in Kingdom Hearts. It, most of it is mostly, you know, very calm, very, you know, easygoing. Suddenly they said, okay guys, let's ramp it up. Let's suddenly bring this twist and make everything interesting. That is again the problem with it, and this is only an hour movie, and yet it becomes boring sometimes to watch, and I would say that this story has some implications that I would say that seem very important. Like if we are following Master of Masters, somebody who created, uh, he didn't create it specifically I guess, he had Keyblades, and uh, he has a certain Keyblade that gives it to one of his apprentices, he has seven apprentices. Each of them have a book that is about the future, and uh, he he you know uh, tasks them with you know thinking about the future. But one of them, who becomes his replacement, thinks about you know Keyblade War and why should there be a war, and this causes a rift between all of them, thinking there might be traitor and stuff like that. So it is all of it very standard at first, but yeah, when you move through it, when you go, uh, still very much stupid, but. Until it picks up and suddenly it just goes um, forward and you're like, my god, this story finally picked up. And then, like I said, the implications, the things that it says, the things that it shows, you're suddenly like, oh shit, this might actually be important. But we don't know until we play the third one. And people have said that yes, it is important to the third one. And I think that kind of sucks because the story was not that good to begin with. And I think that the game is still going apparently. So, yeah, 
watch it one hour not a big deal and if you don't get it if you don't understand some of the things because you kind of you know uh, phased out like me you can of course always read the wiki and you probably understand more on the wiki but be warned do not go and search for the name of the characters and why they are there because they're actually huge spoilers I guess so don't do it I mean you can do it and you will be spoiled and you'll be like holy shit some of this makes sense but you have to of course play Kingdom Hearts 3 and some of it when I saw the title it looked like it was a huge spoiler that I shouldn't have done but still those people should have been more um, honest with me so yeah I would say do yourself a favor do not search for anything after playing it just go to Kingdom Hearts 3 start it up and play it yeah that's the best thing you can do so guys that's pretty much it I would say that I recommend this game wholeheartedly to all of you Kingdom Hearts fans out there if you have played this far obviously you will play this one as well but I would say that you're in for a treat it's not a bad game it's very fun and the three of them are a good package I wouldn't say that they're worth 60 bucks but they are fun and I would say that again if you get it in all in one package buy it all up and have so much fun with it and uh, yeah it is a very cool game so go for it have fun with it and uh, I'll see you guys next week for Kingdom Hearts free and hopefully I'll, I'll come and say guys that was amazing changed my life and things like that hopefully so guys have fun go ahead and play these and I'll see you guys at the end of Kingdom Hearts free and I hope I also get to play Remind DLC. Remind DLC unfortunately didn't get a sale on PlayStation. So I hope it does. Because if it does, I'm going to play it. So thank you guys for joining. If you did enjoy it, as always, please like, rate us on our favorite podcast um, podcast website. Wherever you listen to, rate us however you like. Um, give us a thumbs up. Uh, subscribe and share the episode around. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. And as always, have fun, be careful out there, and um, I'll see you guys next time. Bye!